Hello, everybody. Welcome to WRDG. We're going to take you to the weather. And and after the weather, we're going to take you to our weather. And we're going to give you the news. Already in progress. Do you struggle with occasional nerve aches in your hands or feet? Try Nervive Nerve Relief from the world's number one selling nerve care company. Nervive contains alpha lipoic acid to relieve occasional nerve aches, weakness, and discomfort. Try Nervive Nerve Relief. It doesn't appear that any other uh, precincts have been added to the tally in Lucas County. Um, yes. The reason I wanted to check Lucas County is because there are still a lot of votes out there. This thing is not done yet. Majewski's lead is growing, but there could be a, a, a large faction of pro Gabarella, pro Regal voters that uh, end up pushing one of them over the edge. And this race also hasn't been called yet, still deemed too close to call by uh, the major news organizations. Uh, still, in Lucas County here, as we approach 1130, as we hit 1130 p.m., it's been four hours since we uh, closed the polls in the state of Ohio. Still 71.9% of precincts fully reporting here in Lucas County. Voter turnout 9.9% out of all of this. Total turnout around 14%. So we're still missing a good chunk of the votes. And let's check out. I'll scroll down and check out. Uh, where things stand with this this ninth congressional race. J.R. Majewski right now with 40% of the vote share in Lucas County. Teresa Gavarone, 3,400 votes. Craig Riedel, 3,300 votes. Both men hovering around 28%. But it's Majewski in Lucas County with 40% of the vote. Majewski won his home of Ottawa County by about 1,000 votes. That county fully reported. Lucas County, still uh, some votes out there. Uh, but right now, Majewski is on track. This is his race to lose to potentially go to Washington, D.C. and pull off of what would be a major upset. He uh, has said in the final days of this campaign that he felt like he was overlooked, uh, overshadowed by these two uh, legislators who are working in uh, Columbus. And he was uh, an outsider coming from uh, Ottawa County. And it looks like he is on the verge of pulling off this upset in a race that has not been called yet still too close to call but not a lot of votes left on the table still enough out there that uh supposedly regal or gavarone could come back uh but it's going to be difficult this late in the ball game uh for one of them to to pull off uh, enough votes to unseat or to to pass up J.R. Majewski, who has been growing his lead little by little as each one of these uh, vote dumps comes in, and we get more of these votes that uh, are reported. The early vote count largely went to Teresa Gavarone, as she had about 50% at one point earlier in this evening when we got all, all those mail-in ballots, the early in-person voting uh, totals counted. Gavarone had the lead. Her Riedel uh, went back and forth a little bit, but then all of a sudden we got to a point this evening a couple of hours ago when the in-person votes started to come in that were cast today, and that's when we started to see J.R. Majewski start to increase his lead. So this is one that is not finished as we will end this Tuesday evening. 
but one that as we wake up tomorrow, as we move throughout the day tomorrow, is going to be a major uh, storyline of the upset of this race and going to be a, an uphill battle for Majewski moving to November. And uh, don't count him out. Don't say that it's impossible because this new district, the newly drawn 9th Congressional District, is going to be a very challenging one for Marcy Kaptur. Uh, to win it, to run in and win it. Uh, she right now is in a, what is classified as a safe Republican district, or a safe Democratic district. But uh, according to the political report, uh, this new district has changed Marcy Kaptur's district. GOP map makers redrawing the district to going to one that Biden won 19 points or had a 19 point victory in to one that Trump won by three points. So this ninth district, after redistricting, finishes up after the map makers go to work and change the boundaries, goes from plus 19 Democrat to plus three Republican. So an uphill battle for Marcy Kaptur, who ran uh, unopposed on this Tuesday evening for this race. Uh, the incumbent uh, serving longer than any other uh, woman in the U.S. House of Representatives. So this is the race to watch if you're going to be up all night checking the results. This is the one uh, to keep your eye on. J.R. Majewski, 16-8, Riedel, 14-2, Gabriel behind that, 13,700 votes. This, maybe not an upset, maybe not a surprise, if you've been following the United States Senate race closely throughout this entire process. And we will begin here as we start to uh, wrap up our coverage for the evening. It is J.D. Vance who comes out on top in the race for United States Senate. J.D. Vance is uh, an author, uh, venture capitalist, somebody who won former President Trump's support, won former President Trump's endorsement in this race. That catapulted him to where he is on this big board, 32% of the vote, 337,000 votes across the great state of Ohio cast today and over the last 30 days of early voting for J.D. Vance. Second place, as the night is finalizing, Josh Mandel getting about 24% of the vote, quarter million votes, trailing slightly behind him, Matt Dolan, 244,000 votes, he got 23% of the vote share. Before this race was called by the major news organizations, we had already seen Mike Gibbons and Jane Timken uh, called to concede. Timken explicitly said before the race was called that she had uh, personally uh, let J.D. Vance know that she was uh, congratulating him on his victory. And so that is where uh, she left it. And uh, that is where we really started to see that J.D. Vance was going to win this. Uh, he, his lead was growing throughout the night. Dolan got a, a good amount, but Vance performed well in early voting, in which we should mention once again that he wants to uh, eliminate but Vance performed well in early voting and well enough to put him over the top. Dolan won some Northeast Ohio counties. It was Vance who performed very well in Southeastern Ohio. He won Northwest Ohio. Mandel won a few counties across Central Ohio, but uh, J.D. Vance won a vast majority of Ohio's 88 counties here on this election night. And he congratulated uh, all of his opponents. He thanked everybody who was in the race. Uh, I want to play for you what he said about Matt Dolan, who was a late uh, player in this game. Uh, it was a, a four or five person race the whole time. Dolan won of those five. But Dolan, as we just got more votes into this race, uh, Dolan 
jumped up to third place pretty much out of nowhere. A guy who was polling in single digits a couple of months ago finishes in third place tonight, 23% of the vote. And uh, a lot of that was people maybe voting for another candidate, uh, Jane Temkin, namely, and then supporting Dolan in the game, a, a non-Trump candidate, somebody who was not seeking out his endorsement. These three gentlemen were. This gentleman got the endorsement, ultimately won the race. Here's what J.D. Vance had to say about Matt Dolan's campaign. They could have had, he could have ran an ugly campaign, but instead he ran a campaign about issues, about substance. He's been a great public servant for this country, and I think our, our party was better for the campaign that Matt Dolan ran. So thank you, Matt. So in November, it'll be J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan, who wins easily tonight cruises to victory 70 percent of the vote ryan already has an ad at least on his social platform attacking jd vance and tim ryan has five events scheduled for tomorrow a victory lap so to speak at one of those stops is in toledo so expect the congressman who's been in washington for uh, some two decades to uh, come to the glass city tomorrow is one of five stops on his victory tour as he celebrates victory tonight in early evening for him. Also an early evening for incumbent Governor Mike DeWine, who takes down Jim and AC Joe Blystone, two challengers to his re-election bid. You combine the vote total between Renacy and Joe Blystone, and you get 50%. Governor Mike DeWine, 48% on this evening. Renacy gets 28, Blystone gets 22. Neither of them coming close to Governor Mike DeWine. You combine their efforts and you surpass him, but that is not uh, the situation we found ourselves in tonight. Governor Mike DeWine, the incumbent, the first time that an Ohio governor has had a primary challenge since 1978. Pretty easy evening for the governor. Going against him in November will be Nan Whaley, the former mayor of Dayton, takes down the former mayor of Cincinnati. Nan Whaley wins easily in Montgomery County and Dayton in that surrounding area. John Cranley just recently was able to take the lead in Hamilton County, his former county where he was a mayor in Cincinnati. Couldn't get enough support there. Nan Whaley with 65% of the vote as we uh, close out this night. This is where things stand. It wasn't even uh, really close at the end of it in a race where uh, a lot of people were undecided up until the final moment, 16 to 16, and uh, were, were where some of the, the numbers were standing, 16% for Cranley, 16 for Whaley. The other 68% undecided. What could have happened here? Well, Dan Whaley had a, a large, uh, performed very well in the early voting numbers, but Whaley also could have been pushed over the edge uh, by that Roe versus Wade uh, announcement last night, political publishing a report that uh, the U.S. Supreme Court set to overturn Roe versus Wade, which uh, allows states, or which uh, legalizes abortion in the states. Now it looks like that decision going to hand, get handed back over to the states to decide. Whaley pro-choice her entire life. Cranley, late to the game on that, has uh, evolved his thinking on that abortion as his career has changed. That was one issue during the campaign. And in a race where these two aren't separated by a lot of issues, that could have been one where we also put Nan Whaley on the ballot, making history also. Democrats had never nominated a woman to be on the top of their ticket in the Ohio gubernatorial election. There has been a woman governor in the state's history, but this is the first time that a Democrat in the state of Ohio is going to be 
on the uh, on the ticket on the party's ticket in November uh, for governor. So uh, Whaley uh, told me uh, just the other day that she thinks that makes her more electable as a woman. That's going to be something uh, interesting to see how that plays out and uh, how much of an appetite there is uh, for uh, a woman or a Democrat, for uh, more specifically a Democrat, to win in the state of Ohio, uh, a state that continues to go a little bit more red. She said in her uh, campaign speech. You're going to hear in the coming months that uh, our campaign can't beat Governor Mike DeWine. She says that she'll prove uh, him wrong. We aired our full interview with her uh, on Sunday evening or on Saturday evening. And uh, after that interview ended, uh, she's walking out the door. I said, what are you going to do after this campaign ends, after Election Day settles? She said, we're going to keep campaigning. She felt pretty comfortable about this victory tonight. Check in really quickly on the, the fifth district race. It's going to be Bob Latta who will compete in his newly drawn fifth congressional uh, district. Craig Schwartz uh, edging out his competition. Uh, 55% of the vote share going to short, uh, Schwartz. So we'll see uh, him and Bob Latta go up against each other in the newly drawn fifth. But the big story of the night that we're watching and that we continue to see votes come in for. And another vote dump just came in and J.R. Matuski's elite did not go uh, down too significantly. Uh, Craig Riedel did gain a little bit of ground uh, since we last checked in on this. The vote share now 36 to 31, 29. Uh, so J.R. Majewski has 17,000 votes. Riedel wow. 14 and 6. Gavarone falling behind. 13,839 yeah. votes. Interesting to point out maybe that Gavarone was one of the key figures uh, in Columbus when it came to redistricting throughout uh, this entire process that is not finished yet. We're going to be talking redistricting Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week for the state maps because we had, didn't have any state house or Senate candidates on the ballot today. You may have noticed that. That election has to come at a later date, and we could talk for three hours about that. Teresa Gavarone, a key player in the GOP efforts to redraw congressional maps, helping perhaps draw the district in which she was to run, moving to Huron, which is in this new ninth district, not in Bowling Green, where Bob Latta resides, where she used to reside. This looks like Gavarone is going to be sent home uh, without a prize tonight, unless there are votes out there uh, that uh, will strongly lean her way. And I want to check Lucas County again to see if more numbers came in from there, because and and they haven't yet. So we're still waiting on a, a decent chunk of votes from Lucas County, where only 71.9% of precincts are reporting as we cross over the 11.43 p.m. mark here. So a lot of votes still to be counted out there, but it's going to be difficult this late in the evening, this far behind for Gavarone or Riedel to catch J.R. Majewski, who looks like he is on the verge of pulling off uh, what would be quite the political upset here in the state of Ohio. Uh, one final local race to check in on. The Toledo Blade is calling this race in the Lucas County Commissioner Contest. Lisa Sebecki, current state representative, the Blade projects, uh, will unseat Gary Byers, the current county commissioner, in this contest uh, with 59% of the vote. All right, we're going to step away uh, from this live coverage uh, from Ohio as we approach the top of the hour, coming up at 11 o'clock Central Time. Uh, but we want to take you to Phoenix at the top of the hour where they're going to be getting their late news. That is, we come back. They had a big protest today uh, over the uh, abortion rights, of course, after that leaked decision out from the Supreme Court. A live look at the Supreme Court tonight as we've got to break. The crowds have dispersed. It's just coming up now on midnight Eastern Time. We'll be right back. Streaming 24-7, your 
chose Upstart because I was on financial aid for school. It did run out. Once I found Upstart, I was kind of relieved that they're interested in my background. They were looking at more than just my credit score. I was able to get my money fast. I was able to consolidate all of those credit cards into one payment and raise my credit score so that I was able to make that move right after college. Okay, now we're back. And we're going to check with Far Weather real quick. And it will take you to our bait. And, and, and we're going to get some most. Okay, check see what the weather is, and what's the weather in Portland, Ohio? It's 66 degrees and mostly cloudy in Portsmouth. Okay, what's the weather for Wednesday in Portland, Ohio? I, uh, Wednesday's forecast for Portsmouth is 66 degrees and cloudy. All right. That's all we got for you. You don't have to leave your living room to play the lottery. Just use the jackpot app. Ah! Okay, everyone, please silence your phones.
stall here for a second and make sure we get the right newscast for you. The very latest uh, information out of Phoenix. We, again, we know they had a big protest today uh, in their city, our station, uh, AZ family here covering it. Uh, so let's stand by and get that latest news. Here we go. In Arizona, that will automatically go into effect to ban abortions if Roe is overturned. It's divided the nation. Arizonans are joining people around the country protesting and celebrating a leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court that suggests Roe v. Wade be overturned. This was the scene outside our state capitol earlier this evening before sunset. Chief Justice John Roberts has ordered an investigation into the leak of this draft. Roberts confirms the document's authenticity but stresses this is not a final decision. In fact, as always, the Supreme Court expected to make this issue final or issue that final ruling by sometime in June or July. And if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it could have an immediate impact on several states, including Arizona. In fact, all of these states, abortion will likely be banned if this draft becomes the official court ruling. Well, tonight, the president says the opinion could have other impacts as well. I'll wait until it's Again, Chief Justice John Roberts expressing dismay at the leak, calling it a betrayal, which he vows will be investigated. More than a thousand people gathering at the Capitol tonight, most of them pro-choice, looking to express their concerns about the possibility of Roe v. Wade being overturned. There was also a smaller group of pro-life protesters. Are Amy Keller live at the Capitol, and Amy, there have been some clashes in the last hour? Yeah, there certainly have, Jamie. But first, I want to show you where protesters are right now. There are still several hundred of them strong. They just moved from the park over back to the state capitol. We've got police out here blocking the road, but they continue to chant and make their voices heard. And we have seen some clashes. At least three protesters getting involved in some kind of fist fight, which troopers then quickly broke up. We want to show you some video of three of them being taken into custody. Troopers, again, quick to respond and quash things. DPS tells me that two of them have been charged, one with aggravated assault, another with disorderly conduct. A group of pro-choice protesters started gathering around 6 tonight. This sprang up on social media. Those who turned out say that they are concerned about what overturning Roe versus Wade would mean for women and their reproductive rights. I spoke with one woman who tells me her grandmother had an abortion back in the 1940s when she came down with tuberculosis. If she has the baby, the baby's going to die and the pregnancy will kill her. The Catholic hospital let my grandfather take my grandmother to terminate the pregnancy, and because he was a physician in LA, he knew which providers would provide an abortion for her, even though it was illegal at the time. It means that the women that I know that have suffered from abortion because of the physical and emotional harms may not have an abortion. They will be able to take care of women better. They will be able to save the lives of those unborn children. Now, this is a look at another confrontation between pro-choice and pro-life protesters tonight. For the most part, they have kept their distance from one another. Pro-life advocates celebrating this development. Now, if the Supreme Court were to overturn Roe v. Wade, abortions would become illegal in 
in time. Again, protesters out here, several hundred of them remaining out here, continuing to make their voices heard. I also have a chance to speak with a nurse at one of these centers that provides abortions. You're going to hear from her on why it was so important for her to be out here coming up at 10 o'clock. For now, we are live in Phoenix. Amy Cutler, Arizona's family. Intense night at the Capitol. Amy, thank you for that update. The head of the Arizona Family Health Partnership says Arizona will feel the impact overnight if Roe versus Wade is eventually overturned. Criminal laws on the books in Arizona will go into effect immediately once it's overturned, if it's overturned. One of the laws only allows abortions to save the life of the mother, and doctors who perform abortions could face a maximum five-year prison sentence. Advocates say women will find other ways to get the procedure. Ultimately, what I could see happening is women and people traveling to other states where abortion care is legal. The local pollster Mike Noble says the majority of Arizonans do support abortion rights. Again, no official decision made by the Supreme Court. We can expect that sometime in late June. As always, you can stay up to date on the latest developments on air, online, and our AZ Family News app. It doesn't just stop with police, it doesn't just stop with community, it doesn't just stop with the justice system. It's going to take us all working together to make this work. A big shakeup today at the Phoenix Police Department. Chief Jerry Williams has announced she is stepping down after nearly six years as the city's top cop. Chief Williams says she plans to stay on the job through this summer. An interim chief will take over as a nationwide search begins for her replacement. Holly Bach joining us live with what city and community leaders want to see in the new role. Holly? Well, Jared, City Manager Jeff Barton says it will be a very big challenge to find the right person for this position. Leaders and community members say this role is all about transparency and working with the community now more than ever. I think the main thing for me is someone that commands respect, respect within the profession. Um, someone that also can garner that same level of respect with our community. Phoenix Police Chief Jerry Williams, who has been the top cop since 2016, has decided to part ways with the role. It was her choice, a move she says that allows her to prioritize family and explore future endeavors. Chief Williams is a perfect example of who should become a police officer because she did it to serve her community. Retired Phoenix Assistant Police Chief Andy Anderson says Chief Williams experienced some of the toughest years in policing. We hear you. In 2020, during nationwide protests against police brutality, Chief Williams joined a group marching downtown. Some officers at the time taking a knee with protesters. No matter what decision you make, there's going to be quite a few people that, that didn't agree with you because they're not going to be easy decisions. And right now, the agency is under investigation by the Department of Justice for allegations of excessive and deadly force, discriminatory policing, and sweeps of homeless encampments. Was she the one out there who was doing these things to the unhoused population? Not necessarily, no, but that's who, she, that's who her people are taking direction from. Some members of the community say they believe the chief and those who came before her haven't done enough. We needed to see cultural change in the Phoenix Police Department. We have not seen that in the past five years. We have not seen that in the past 15 years. And it's time for us to look at that from a more holistic standpoint, a much more honest and transparent standpoint. But others disagree. I can absolutely say that she's one of the most committed, dedicated people uh, that I've ever worked with. And in her announcement, Chief Williams did highlight some of her accomplishments, including getting every officer a body-sworn camera, using less lethal forces, and 
Freak Atwood is on death row for the murder of Vicki Hoskinson back in 1987. The state Supreme Court issuing the warrant of execution. Atwood can choose lethal injection or the gas chamber. He is set to be executed June 8th. And we are still waiting to hear whether a judge will stop the execution of an Arizona man. Clarence Dixon is set to be executed by lethal injection next week. His lawyers say he's had psychological problems keeping him from rationally understanding why the state wants to end his life. Prosecutors do not agree. Dixon was charged in the 1978 killing of a 21-year-old ASU student. He would be the first person executed in Arizona in nearly eight years. Prosecutors up in Idaho are seeking the death penalty against Lori Vallow, the former Valley mom accused of murdering her own two children. Her kids, JJ and Tylee, vanished after they moved from Chandler and were later found buried in her new husband's backyard in Idaho. Court documents claim their deaths were, quote, heinous, atrocious, and cruel and that she killed them for money, which are all aggravating factors in a death penalty case. While her defense team will argue she suffered mental health issues, prosecutors will try to claim she was in her right mind at the time of the murders. Everything, every act up until the point she was charged with the crime was rational. 